Chap. 22. God's promise is sure. But, say they, when it is said, If thou believest, thou shalt be saved, one of these things is required, the other is offered. What is required is in man's power, what is offered is in God's. 16. Why are not both in God's, as well what he commands as what he offers? For he is asked to give what he commends. Believers ask that their faith may be increased, they ask on behalf of those who do not believe, that faith may be given to them, therefore both in its increase and in its beginnings, faith is the gift of God. But it is said thus if thou believest, thou shalt be saved, in the same way that it is said, if by the Spirit ye shall mortify the deeds of the flesh, ye shall live. Romans 8.13 For in this case also, of these two things one is required, the other is offered. It is said, If by the Spirit ye shall mortify the deeds of the flesh, ye shall live. Therefore, that we mortify the deeds of the flesh is required, but that we may live is offered. Is it, then, fitting for us to say, that to mortify the deeds of the flesh is not a gift of God, and not to confess it to be a gift of God, because we hear it required of us, with the offer of life, as a reward, if we shall do it. Away with this being approved by the partakers and champions of grace. This is the condemnable error of the Pelagians, whose mouths the apostle immediately stopped when he added, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God, Romans 8.14. Lest we should believe that we mortify the deeds of the flesh, not by God's Spirit, but by our own. And of the Spirit of God, moreover, he was speaking in that place where he says, But all these work of, that one and the selfsame Spirit, dividing unto every man what is his own, as he will. 1 Corinthians 12.11 And among all these things, as you know, he also named faith. As, therefore, although it is the gift of God, to mortify the deeds of the flesh, yet it is required of us, and life is set before us as a reward, so also faith is the gift of God, although when it is said, If thou believest, thou shalt be saved, faith is required of us, and salvation is proposed to us as a reward. For these things are both commanded us, and are shown to be God's gifts, in order, that we may understand both that we do them, and that God makes us to do them as he most plainly says by the prophet Ezekiel. For what is plainer than what he says, I will cause you to do. Ezekiel 36.27 Give heed to the passage of scripture, and you will see that God promises that he will make them to do those things, which he commands to be done. He truel is not silent as to the merits but as to the evil deeds, of those two, whom he shows that he is returning good for evil, by the very fact that he causeth them thenceforth to have good works, in causing them to do the divine commands. Chap. 23, 12 Remarkable Illustrations of Grace and Predestination in Infants, and in Christ. But all this reasoning, whereby we maintain that the grace of God through Jesus Christ our Lord is true grace, that is, is not given according to our merits, although it is most manifestly asserted by the witness of the divine declarations, yet, among those who think that they are withheld from all zeal for piety, unless they can attribute to themselves something, which they first give that it may be recompensed to them again, involves somewhat of a difficulty in respect of the condition of grown-up people, who are already exercising the choice of will. But when we come to the case of infants, and to the mediator between God and man himself, the man Christ Jesus, 
there is wanting all assertion of human merits, that precede the grace of God, because the former are not distinguished from others by any preceding good merits, that they should belong to the deliverer of men, any more than he himself, being himself a man, was made the deliverer of men by virtue of any precedent human merits. Chap. 24. That no one is judged according to, what he would have done if he had lived longer. For who can hear that infants, baptized in the condition of mere infancy, are said to depart from this life by reason of their future merits, and that others not baptized are said to die in the same age, because their future merits are foreknown, but as evil, so that God rewards, or condemns in a not their good or evil life, but no life at all. 17 The Apostle, indeed, fixed the limit which man's incautious suspicion, to speak gently, ought not to transgress, for he says, we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive according to the things, which he has done by means of the body, whether it be good or evil. 2 Corinthians 5.10 Has done, he said, and he did not add, or would have done. But I know not, whence this thought should have entered the minds of such men, that infants future merits, which shall not be should be punished or honored. But why is it said that a man is to be judged according to those things, which he has done by means of the body, when many things are done by the mind alone, and not by the body, nor by any member of the body, and for the most part things of such importance, that a most righteous punishment would be due to such thoughts, such as, to say nothing of others, that the fool hath said in his heart there is no God. Psalm 14.1 What, then, is the meaning of, according to those things that he hath done by means of the body, except according to those things, which he has done during the time in which he was in the body, so that we may understand by means of the body, as meaning throughout the season of bodily life. But after the body, no one will be in the body except at the last resurrection, not for the purpose of establishing any claims of merit, but for the sake of receiving recompenses for good merits and enduring punishments for evil merits. But in this intermediate period between the putting off and the taking again of the body, the souls are either tormented or they are in repose, according to those things, which they have done during the period of the bodily life. And to this period of the bodily life moreover pertains, what the Pelagians deny, but Christ's church confesses, original sin, and according to whether this is by God's grace loosed, or by God's judgment not loosed, when infants die, they pass, on the one hand, by the merit of regeneration from evil to good, or on the other, by the merit of their origin from evil to evil. The Catholic faith acknowledges this, and even some heretics, without any contradiction, agree to this. But in the height of wonder and astonishment I am unable to discover whence men, whose intelligence your letters show to be by no means contemptible, could entertain the opinion that anyone should be judged not according to the merits, that he had as long as he was in the body, but according to the merits, which he would have had, if he had lived longer in the body, and I should not dare to believe that there were such men, if I could venture to disbelieve you. But I hope that God will interpose, so that when they are admonished they may at once perceive, that if those sins wish, as is said, would have been, can rightly be punished by God's judgment in those who are not baptized they may also be rightly remitted by God's grace in those who are baptized. For whoever says that future sins can only be punished by God's judgment, but cannot be pardoned by God's mercy, ought to consider how great a wrong he is doing to God and his grace, 
as if future sin could be foreknown, and could not be foregone 1 8, and if this is absurd, it is the greater reason, that help should be afforded to, those who would be sinners if they lived longer, when they die in early life, by means of that labor wherein sins are washed away. Chap. 25, 13. Possibly the baptized infants would have repented if they had lived, and the unbaptized not. But if, perchance, they say that sins are re-remitted to penitence, and that those who die in infancy are not baptized because they are foreknown as not, such as would repent if they should live, while God has foreknown that those who are baptized, and die in infancy would have repented if they had lived, let them observe and see, that if it be so it is not in this case original sins, which are punished in infants that die without baptism, but what would have been the sins of each one. Had he lived, and also in baptized infants, that it is not original sins that are washed away, but their own future sins if they should live, since they could not sin except in more mature age, but that some were foreseen as such as would repent, and others as such as would not repent, therefore some were baptized, and others departed from this life without baptism. If the Pelagians should dare to say this, by their denial of original sin they would thus be relieved of the necessity of seeking, on behalf of infants outside of the kingdom of God, for some place of I know not what happiness of their own, especially since they are convinced that they cannot have eternal life, because they have not eaten the flesh nor drunk the blood of Christ, and because in them who have no sin at all, baptism, which is given for the remission of sins, is falsified. For they would go on to say that there is no original sin, but that those who, as infants are released are either baptized, or not baptized according to their future merits if they should live, and that according to their future merits they either receive, or do not receive the body and blood of Christ, without which they absolutely cannot have life, and are baptized for the true remission of sins, although they derive no sins from Adam, because the sins are remitted unto them concerning which God foreknew that they would repent. Thus with the greatest ease they would plead and would win their cause, in which they deny that there is any original sin, and contend that the grace of God is only given according to our merits. But that the future merits of men, which merits will never come into existence, are beyond all doubt no merits at all, it is certainly most easy to see for this reason even the Pelagians were not able to say this, and much rather these ought not to say it. For it cannot be said with what pain I find that they, who with us on Catholic authority condemn the heir of those heretics, have not seen this, which the Pelagians themselves have seen to be most false and absurd. Chap. 26, 14. Reference to Cyprian's Treatise on the Mortality. Cyprian wrote a work on the mortality, 19 known with approval to many and almost all who love ecclesiastical literature, wherein he says that death is not only not disadvantageous to believers, but that it is even found to be advantageous, because it withdraws men from the risks of sinning, and establishes them in a security of not sinning. But wherein is the advantage of this, if even future sins, which have not been committed are punished? Yet he argues most copiously and well, that the risks of sinning are not wanting in this life, and that they do not continue after this life is done, where also he adduces the testimony from the book of wisdom he was taken away, lest wickedness should alter his understanding. Wist 4.11 And this was also adduced by me, though you said that those brethren of yours had rejected it on the ground of its not having been brought forward from a canonical book, as if, even setting aside the attestation of this book, the thing itself were not clear, 
which I wish to be taught therefrom. For what Christian would dare to deny that the righteous man, if he should be prematurely laid hold of by death, will be in repose? Let who will, say this, and what man of sound faith will think that he can withstand it? Moreover, if he should say that the righteous man, if he should depart from his righteousness, in which he has long lived, and should die in that impiety after having lived in it, I say not a year, but one day, will go hence into the punishment due to the wicked, his righteousness having no power in the future to avail him, will any believer contradict this evident truth? Further, if we are asked whether, if he had died then at the time that he was righteous, he would have incurred punishment or repose, shall we hesitate to answer, repose? This is the whole reason why it is said, whoever says it, he was taken away, lest wickedness should alter his understanding. For it was said in reference to the risks of this life, not with reference to the foreknowledge of God, who foreknew that which was to be, not that which was not to be that is, that he would bestow on him an untimely death in order, that he might be withdrawn from the uncertainty of temptations, not that he would sin, since he was not to remain in temptation. Because, concerning this life, we read in the book of Job, is not the life of man upon earth a temptation? Job 7.1 But why it should be granted to some, to be taken away from the perils of this life while they are righteous, while others, who are righteous until they fall from righteousness are kept in the same risks in a more lengthened life, who has known the mind of the Lord? And yet it is permitted to be understood from this, that even those righteous people who maintain good and pious characters, even to the maturity of old age and to the last day of this life, must not glory in their own merits, but in the Lord, since he who took away the righteous man from the shortness of life, lest wickedness should alter his understanding, himself guards the righteous man in any length of life, that wickedness may not alter his understanding. But why he should have kept the righteous man here to fall, when he might have withdrawn him before, his judgments, although absolutely righteous, are yet uncircable. Chap. 27. The Book of Wisdom obtains in the Church the authority of canonical scripture. And since these things are so, the judgment of the Book of Wisdom ought not to be repudiated, since for so long a course of years, that book has deserved to be read in the Church of Christ, from the station of the readers of the Church of Christ, and to be heard by all Christians, from bishops downwards, even to the lowest lay believers, penitents, and catechumens, with the veneration paid to divine authority. For assuredly, if, from those who have been before me in commenting on the divine scriptures, I should bring forward a defense of this judgment, which we are now called upon, to defend more carefully and copiously than usual against the new error of the Pelagians, that is, that God's grace is not given according to our merits, and that it is given freely to whom it is given, because it is neither of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. But that by righteous judgment it is not given to whom it is not given, because there is no unrighteousness with God, if, therefore, I should put forth a defense of this opinion from Catholic commentators on the divine oracles who have preceded us. Assuredly these brethren for whose sake I am now discoursing would acquiesce, for this you have intimated in your letters. What need is there, then, for us to look into the writings of those who, before this heresy sprang up, had no necessity to be conversant in a question so difficult of solution as this, which beyond a doubt they would have done, if they had been compelled to answer such things. Whence it arose that they touched, 
upon what they thought of God's grace briefly in some passages of their writings, and cursorily, but on those matters, which they argued against the enemies of the church, and in exhortations to every virtue, by which to serve the living and true God for the purpose of attaining eternal life and true happiness, they dwelt at length. But the grace of God, what it could do, shows itself artlessly by its frequent mention in prayers, for what God commands to be done would not be asked for from God, unless it could be given by him that it should be done. Chap. 28. Cyprian's Treatise on the Mortality. But if any wish to be instructed in the opinions of those who have handled the subject, it behoves them to prefer to all commentators the Book of Wisdom, where it is read, he was taken away, that wickedness should not alter his understanding, because illustrious commentators, even in the times nearest to the apostles, preferred it to themselves, seeing that when they made use of it for a testimony, they believed that they were making use of nothing but a divine testimony, and certainly it appears that the most blessed Cyprian, in order to commend the advantage of an earlier death, contended that those who end this life, wherein sin is possible, are taken away from the risks of sins. In the same treatise, among other things, he says, Why? When you are about to be with Christ, and are secure of the divine promise, do you not embrace being called to Christ, and rejoice that you are free from the devil? 20 And in another place he says, Boys escape the peril of their unstable age. And again, in another place, he says, Why do we not hasten and run, that we may see our country, that we may hail our relatives? A great number of those who are dear to us are expecting us there, a dense and abundant crowd of parents. Brethren, sons, are longing for us, already secure of their own safety, but still anxious about our salvation. By these and such like sentiments, the teacher sufficiently and plainly testifies, in the clearest light of the Catholic faith, that perils of sin and trials are to be feared even until the putting off of this body, but that afterwards no one shall suffer any such things. And even if he did not testify thus, when could any manner of Christian be in doubt on this matter? How, then, should it not have been of advantage to a man who has lapsed, and who finishes his life wretchedly in that same state of lapse, and passes into the punishment due to such as he, how, I say, should it not have been of the greatest and highest advantage to such an one, to be snatched by death from the sphere of temptations before his fall? Chap. 29. God's dealing does not depend upon any contingent merits of men. And thus, Unless we indulge in reckless disputation, the entire question is concluded concerning him, who was taken away lest wickedness should alter his understanding. And the book of wisdom, which for such a series of years has deserved to be read in Christ's church, and in which this is read, ought not to suffer injustice, because it withstands, those who are mistaken on behalf of men's merits so as to come in opposition to the most manifest grace of God and this grace chiefly appears in infants, and while some of these baptized, and some not baptized, come to the end of this life, they sufficiently point to God's mercy and his judgment, his mercy, indeed, gratuitous, his judgment, of debt. For if men should be judged according to the merits of their life, which merits they have been prevented by death from actually having, but would have had if they had lived, it would be of no advantage to him, who was taken away lest wickedness should alter his understanding, it would be of no advantage to those who die in a state of lapse, if they should die before. And this no Christian will venture to say. Wherefore our brethren, 
who with us on behalf of the Catholic faith assail the pest of the Pelagian error, ought not to such an extent to favor the Pelagian opinion, wherein they conceive that God's grace is given according to our merits, as to endeavor which they cannot dare to invalidate a true sentiment, plainly and from ancient times Christian, he was taken away, lest wickedness should alter his understanding, and to build up that which we should think, I do not say, no one would believe, but no one would dream, to wit, that any deceased person would be judged according to those things, which he would have done, if he had lived for a more lengthened period. Surely thus what we say manifests itself clearly to be incontestable, that the grace of God is not given according to our merits, so that ingenious men, who contradict this truth are constrained to say things, which must be rejected from the ears and from the thoughts of all men. Chap. 30XV. The most illustrious instance of predestination is Christ Jesus. Moreover, the most illustrious light of predestination and grace is the Savior himself, the Mediator himself between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And, pray, by what preceding merits of its own, whether of works or of faith, did the human nature, which is an improcure for itself that it should be this? Let this have an answer, I beg. That man, whence did he deserve this, to be assumed by the word co-eternal with the Father into unity of person, and be the only begotten Son of God? Was it because any kind of goodness in him proceeded? What did he do before? What did he believe? What did he ask, that he should attain to this unspeakable excellence? Was it not by the act and the assumption of the word that that man, from the time he began to be, began to be the only Son of God? Did not that woman, full of grace, conceive the only Son of God? Was he not born the only Son of God, of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, not of the lust of the flesh, but by God's peculiar gift? Was it to be feared that as age mature this man, he would sin a free will? Or was the will in him not free on that account? And was it not so much the more free in proportion to the greater impossibility of his becoming the servant of sin? Certainly, in him human nature that is to say, our nature specially received all those specially admirable gifts, and any others, that may most truly be said to be peculiar to him, by virtue of no preceding merits of its own. Let a man here answer to God if he dare, and say, Why was it not I also? And if he should hear, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Romans 9.10 Let him not at this point restrain himself, but increase his impudence and say, How is it that I hear, who art thou, O man? Since I am what I hear, that is, a man, and he of whom I speak is but the same. Why should not I also be what he is? For it is by grace that he is such and so great, why is grace different when nature is common? Assuredly, there is no respect of persons with God. I say, not what Christian man, but what madman will say this. Chap. 31. Christ predestinated to be the Son of God. Therefore in him who is our head let there appear to be the very fountain of grace, whence, according to the measure of every man, he diffuses himself through all his members. It is by that grace, that every man from the beginning of his faith becomes a Christian, by which grace that one man from his beginning became Christ. Of the same Spirit also the former is born again, of which the latter was born. By the same Spirit is effected in us the remission of sins, by which Spirit it was effected that he should have no sin. 
God certainly foreknew that he would do these things. This, therefore, is that same predestination of the saints, which most especially shone forth in the saint of saints, and who is there of those who rightly understand the declarations of the truth, that can deny this predestination. For we have learned that the Lord of glory himself was predestinated in so far, as the man was made the Son of God. The teacher of the Gentiles exclaims, in the beginning of his epistles, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the holy scriptures concerning his son, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, who was predestinated the Son of God in power, according to the spirit of sanctification by the resurrection of the dead. Romans 1.1 And following therefore Jesus was predestinated, so that he who was to be the son of David according to the flesh should yet be in power the son of God, according to the spirit of sanctification, because he was born of the Holy Spirit and of the Virgin Mary. This is that ineffably accomplished soul taking up of man by God the Word, so that he might truly and properly be called at the same time the son of God and the son of man, son of man on account of the man taken up and the Son of God on account of the God only begotten who took him up, so that a trinity and not a caternity might be believed in. Such a transporting of human nature was predestinated, so great, so lofty, and so sublime that there was no exalting it more highly, just as on our behalf, the divinity had no possibility of more humbly putting itself off, than by the assumption of man's nature with the weakness of the flesh, even to the death of the cross. As, therefore, that one man was predestinated to be our head, so we being many are predestinated to be his members. Here let human merits, which have perished through Adam keep silence, and let that grace of God reign, which reigns through Jesus Christ our Lord, the only Son of God, the one Lord. Let whoever can find in our head the merits which preceded that peculiar generation, seek in us his members for those merits which preceded our manifold regeneration. For that generation was not recompensed to Christ, but given, that he should be born, namely, of the Spirit and the Virgin, separate from all entanglement of sin. Thus also our being born again of water and the Spirit is not recompensed to us for any merit, but freely given, and if faith has brought us to the labor of regeneration, we ought not therefore to suppose that we have first given anything, so that the regeneration of salvation should be recompensed to us again because he made us to believe in Christ, who made for us a Christ on whom we believe. He makes in men the beginning and the completion of the faith in Jesus, who made the man Jesus the beginner and finisher of faith, Hebrews 12.2. For thus, as you know, he is called in the epistle, which is addressed to the Hebrews. Chap. 32.16. The Twofold Calling. God indeed calls many predestinated children of his, to make them members of his only predestinated son, not with that calling with which they were called who would not come to the marriage, since with that calling were called also the Jews, to whom Christ crucified is in offense, and the Gentiles, to whom Christ crucified is foolishness, but with that calling he calls the predestinated which the apostle distinguished, when he said that he preached Christ, the wisdom of God and the power of God, to them that were called, Jews as well as Greeks. For thus he says, but unto them which are called, 1 Corinthians 1.24. In order to show that there were some who were not called, knowing that there is a certain sure calling of, those who are called according to God's purpose, 
whom he has foreknown and predestinated, before to be conformed to the image of his Son. And it was this calling he meant when he said, Not of works, but of him that calleth, it was said unto her, that the elder shall serve the younger. Romans 9.12 Did he say, Not of works, but of him that believeth? Rather, he actually took this away from man, that he might give the whole to God. Therefore he said, But of him that calleth, not with any sort of calling whatever, but with that calling wherewith a man is made a believer. Chap. 33. It is in the power of evil men to sin, but to do this, or that by means of that wickedness is in God's power alone. Moreover, it was this that he had in view when he said, The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Romans 11.29 And in that saying also consider for a little what was its purport. For when he had said, For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, that ye may not be wise in yourselves, that blindness in part has happened to Israel, until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in, and so all Israel should be saved, as it is written, There shall come out of son one who shall deliver, and turn away in piety from Jacob and this is the covenant to them from me, when I shall take away their sins, Romans. 11.25 and following he immediately added, what is to be very carefully understood, as concerning the gospel, indeed, they are enemies for your sakes but as concerning the election, they are beloved for their father's sakes. Romans 11.28 What is the meaning of, as concerning the gospel, indeed, they are enemies for your sakes, but that their enmity wherewith they put Christ to death was, without doubt, as we see, an advantage to the gospel. And he shows that this came about by God's ordering, who knew how to make a good use even of evil things, not that the vessels of wrath might be of advantage to him, but that by his own good use of them they might be of advantage to the vessels of mercy. For what could be said more plainly than what is actually said, as concerning the gospel, indeed, they are enemies for your sakes? It is, therefore, in the power of the wicked to sin, but that in sinning they should do this, or that by that wickedness is not in their power, but in God's, who divides the darkness and regulates it, so that hence even, what they do contrary to God's will is not fulfilled except it be God's will. We read in the Acts of the Apostles, that when the Apostles had been sent away by the Jews, and had come to their own friends, and shown them what great things the priests and elders said to them, they all with one consent lifted up their voices to the Lord, and said, Lord, Thou art God, which hast made heaven, and earth, and the sea, and all things that are therein, who, by the mouth of our father David, thy holy servant, hast said, Why did the heathen rage, and the peoples imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up, and the princes were gathered together against the Lord, and against his Christ. For in truth, there have assembled together in this city against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, Herod and Pilate, and the people of Israel, to do whatever thy hand and counsel predestinated to be done. Acts 4.24 and following see, what is said as concerning the gospel, indeed, they are enemies for your sakes. Because God's hand and counsel predestinated such things, to be done by the hostile Jews as were necessary for the gospel, for our sakes. But what is it that follows? But as concerning the election, they are beloved for their father's sakes. For are those enemies who perished in their enmity, and those of the same people, who still perish in their opposition to Christ, are those chosen and beloved? Away with the thought. 
who is so utterly foolish as to say this. But both expressions, although contrary to one another that is, enemies and beloved are appropriate, though not to the same men, yet to the same Jewish people, and to the same carnal seed of Israel, of whom some belong to the falling away, and some to the blessing of Israel himself. For the Apostle previously explained this meaning more clearly when he said, that which Israel wrought for, he hath not obtained, but the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. Romans 11.7 Yet in both cases it was the very same Israel. Where, therefore, we hear, Israel hath not obtained, or, the rest were blinded, there are to be understood the enemies for our sakes, but where we hear, that the election hath obtained it, there are to be understood the beloved for their fathers' sakes, to which fathers those things were assuredly promised, because the promises were made to Abraham and his seed, Galatians 3.16. Whence also in that olive tree is grafted the wild olive tree of the Gentiles. Now subsequently we certainly ought to fall in with the election, of which he says that it is according to grace, not according to debt, because there was made a remnant by the election of grace. Romans 11.5 This election obtained it, the rest being blinded. As concerning this election, the Israelites were beloved for the sake of their fathers. For they were not called with that calling of which it is said, Many are called, but with that whereby the chosen are called. Whence also after he had said, But as concerning the election, they are beloved for the fathers' sakes, he went on to add those words, whence this discussion arose for the gifts and calling of God are without repentance, that is, they are firmly established without change. Those who belong to this calling are all teachable by God, nor can any of them say, I believed in order to being thus called, because the mercy of God anticipated him, because he was so called in order that he might believe. For all who are teachable of God come to the Son, because they have heard and learned from the Father through the Son, who most clearly says, Everyone, who has heard of the Father, and has learned, cometh unto me. John 6.45 But of such as these none perishes, because of all that the Father hath given him, he will lose none. John 6.39 Whoever, therefore, is of these does not perish at all, nor was any who perishes ever of these. For which reason it is said, they went out from among us, but they were not of us, for if they had been of us, they will certainly have continued with us. John 2.19 Chap. 34.17 The special calling of the elect is not because they have believed, but in order that they may believe. Let us, then, understand the calling whereby they become elected, not those who are elected because they have believed, but who are elected that they may believe. For the Lord himself also sufficiently explains this calling when he says, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. John 15.16 For if they had been elected because they had believed, they themselves would certainly have first chosen him by believing in him, so that they should deserve to be elected. But he takes away this supposition altogether when he says, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And yet they themselves, beyond a doubt, chose him when they believed on him. Whence it is not for any other reason that he says, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, than because they did not choose him that he should choose them, but he chose them that they might choose him, because his mercy preceded them according to grace, not according to debt. Therefore he chose them out of the world, while he was wearing flesh, 
but as those who were already chosen in himself before the foundation of the world. This is the changeless truth concerning predestination and grace. For what is it that the Apostle says, as he hath chosen us in himself before the foundation of the world? If 1.4. And assuredly, if this were said, because God foreknew that they would believe, not because he himself would make them believers, the Son is speaking against such a foreknowledge, as that when he says, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, one God should rather have foreknown this very thing, that they themselves would have chosen him, so that they might deserve to be chosen by him. Therefore they were elected before the foundation of the world with that predestination in which God foreknew, what he himself would do, but they were elected out of the world with that calling, whereby God fulfilled that which he predestinated. For whom he predestinated, them he also called, with that calling, to wit, which is according to the purpose. Not others, therefore, but those whom he predestinated, them he also called, nor others, but those whom he so called, them he also justified, nor others, but those whom he predestinated, called, and justified, them he also glorified, assuredly to that end which has no end. Therefore God elected believers, but he chose them that they might be so, not because they were already so. The Apostle James says has not God chosen the poor in this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom, which God hath promised to them that love him? James 2.5 By choosing them, therefore, he makes them rich in faith, as he makes them heirs of the kingdom, because he is rightly said to choose that in them, in order to make which in them he chose them. I ask, who can hear the Lord saying, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and can dare to say that men believe in order to be elected, when they are rather elected to believe, lest against the judgment of truth they be found to have first chosen Christ to whom Christ says, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. John 15.16 Chap. 35, 18 Election is for the purpose of holiness. Who can hear the Apostle saying, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us in all spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ, as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without spot in the sight, in love predestinating us to the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, wherein he hath shown us favor in his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the remission of sins according to the riches of his grace, which hath abounded to us in all wisdom and prudence, that he might show to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he hath proposed in himself, in the dispensation of the fullness of times, to restore all things in Christ, which are in heaven, and in the earth, in him in whom also we have obtained a share, being predestinated according to the purpose, who worketh all things according to the counsel of his will that we should be to the praise of his glory, if 1.3 and following who, I say, can hear these words with attention and intelligence, and can venture to have any doubt concerning a truth so clear, as this which we are defending. God chose Christ's members in him before the foundation of the world, and how should he choose those who as yet did not exist, except by predestinating them? Therefore he chose us by predestinating us. Would he choose the unholy and the unclean? Now if the question be proposed, whether he will choose such, or rather the holy and unstained, who can ask which of these he may answer, and not give his opinion at once in favor of the holy and pure? Chap. 36. 
God choose the righteous, not those whom he foresaw as being of themselves, but those whom he predestinated for the purpose of making so. Therefore, says the Pelagian, he foreknew who would be holy and immaculate by the choice of free will, and on that account elected them before the foundation of the world in that same foreknowledge of his, in which he foreknew that they would be such. Therefore he elected them, says he, before they existed, predestinating them to be children, whom he foreknew to be holy and immaculates. Certainly he did not make them so, nor did he foresee that he would make them so, but that they would be so. Let us, then, look into the words of the Apostle and see, whether he chose us before the foundation of the world, because we were going to be holy and immaculates, or in order, that we might be so. Blessed, says he, be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us in all spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ, even as he hath chosen us in himself before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and unspotted. If 1.3. Not, then, because we were to be so, but that we might be so. Assuredly it is certain, assuredly it is manifest. Certainly we were to be such for the reason, that he has chosen us, predestinating us to be such by his grace. Therefore he blessed us with spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ Jesus, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and immaculate in the sight, predestinating us in love to the adoption of children through Jesus Christ to himself. Attend to, what he then adds according to the good pleasure, he says, of his will, in order, that we might not in so great a benefit of grace glory concerning the good pleasure of our will. In which, says he, he hath shown us favor in his beloved Son, in which, certainly, his own will, he hath shown us favor. Thus, it is said, he hath shown us grace by grace, even as it is said, he has made us righteous by righteousness. In whom, he says, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which has abounded to us in all wisdom and prudence, that he might show to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure. In this mystery of his will, he placed the riches of his grace, according to his good pleasure, not according to ours, which could not possibly be good unless he himself, according to his own good pleasure, should aid it to become so. But when he had said, according to his good pleasure, he added, which he proposed in him, that is, and his beloved Son, in the dispensation of the fullness of times to restore all things in Christ, which are in heaven and which are in earth, in him in whom also we too have obtained a lot, being predestinated according to his purpose, who worketh all things according to the counsel of his will, that we should be to the praise of his glory. Chap. 37. We were elected and predestinated, not because we were going to be holy, but in order, that we might be so. It would be too tedious to argue about the several points. But you see without doubt, you see with what evidence of apostolic declaration this grace is defended, in opposition to which human merits are set up, as if man should first give something for it, to be recompensed to him again. Therefore God chose us in Christ, before the foundation of the world, predestinating us to the adoption of children, not because we were going to be of ourselves holy and immaculates, but he chose and predestinated us that we might be so. Moreover, he did this according to the good pleasure of his will so that nobody might glory concerning his own will, but about God's will towards himself. He did this according to the riches of his grace, according to his good will, which he purposed in his beloved Son, 
in whom we have obtained a share, being predestinated according to the purpose, not ours, but his, who worketh all things to such an extent as that he worketh in us to will also. Moreover, he worketh according to the counsel of his will, that we may be to the praise of his glory. Phil 2.13 For this reason it is that we cry that no one should glory in man, and, thus, not in himself, but whoever glorieth let him glory in the Lord, that he may be for the praise of his glory. Because he himself worketh according to his purpose, that we may be to the praise of his glory, and, of course, holy and immaculates, for which purpose he called us, predestinating us before the foundation of the world. Out of this, his purpose, is that special calling of the elect for the whom he co-worketh with all things for good, because they are called according to his purpose, and the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Romans 11.29 Chap. 38.19 What is the view of the Pelagians, and what of the semi-Pelagians, concerning predestination? But these brethren of ours, about whom and on whose behalf we are now discoursing, say, perhaps, that the Pelagians are refuted by this apostolical testimony, in which it is said that we are chosen in Christ and predestinated before the foundation of the world, in order, that we should be holy and immaculate in the sight in love. For they think that having received God's commands we are of ourselves by the choice of our free will made holy and immaculate in the sight in love, and since God foresaw that this would be the case, they say, He therefore chose and predestinated us in Christ, before the foundation of the world. Although the Apostle says that it was not, because he foreknew that we should be such, but in order, that we might be such by the same election of his grace, by which he showed us favor in his beloved Son. When, therefore, he predestinated us, he foreknew his own work, by which he makes us holy and immaculates. Whence the Pelagian error is rightly refuted by this testimony. But we say, say they, that God did not foreknow anything as ours except that faith by which we begin to believe, and that he chose, and predestinated us before the foundation of the world, in order, that we might be holy and immaculate by his grace and by his work. But let them also hear in this testimony the words where he says, We have obtained a lot, being predestinated according to his purpose who worketh all things. If 1.11 He, therefore, work at the beginning of our belief who worketh all things, because faith itself does not proceed that calling, of which it is said for the gifts, and calling of God are without repentance, Romans 11.29. And of which it is said not of works, but of him that calleth Romans 9.12. Although he might have said, of him that believeth, and the election, which the Lord signified, when he said you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. John 15.16. For he chose us, not because we believed, but that we might believe, lest we should be said first to have chosen him, and so his word be false, which be it far from us to think possible, ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. Neither are we called because we believed, but that we may believe, and by that calling, which is without repentance it is effected and carried through that we should believe. But all the many things, which we have said concerning this matter need not be repeated, Chap. 39. The beginning of faith is God's gift. Finally, also, in what follows this testimony, the Apostle gives thanks to God on behalf of those who have believed, not, certainly, because the Gospel has been declared to them, but because they have believed. 
For he says, in whom also after ye had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the pledge of our inheritance, to the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Wherefore I also, after I had heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and with reference to all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you. If 1.13 and following their faith was new and recent on the preaching of the gospel to them, which faith when he hears of, the apostle gives thanks to God on their behalf. If he were to give thanks to man for that which he might either think, or know that man had not given, it would be called a flattery or a mockery, rather than a giving of thanks. Do not err, for God is not mocked, Galatians 6.7. For his gift is also the beginning of faith, unless the apostolic giving of thanks be rightly judged to be either mistaken or fallacious. What then? Does that not appear as the beginning of the faith of the Thessalonians, for which, nevertheless, the same apostle gives thanks to God when he says, For this cause also we thank God without ceasing, because when ye had received from us the word of the hearing of God, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh in you and which ye believed. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 What is that, for which ye here gives thanks to God? Assuredly it is a vain and idle thing, if he too, whom he gives thanks did not himself do the thing. But, since this is not a vain and idle thing, certainly God, to whom he gave thanks concerning this work, himself did it that when they had received the word of the hearing of God, they received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God. God, therefore, worketh in the hearts of men with that calling according to his purpose, of which we have spoken a great deal, that they should not hear the gospel in vain, but when they heard it, should be converted and believe, receiving it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God. Chap. 40XX apostolic testimony to the beginning of faith being God's gift. Moreover, we are admonished that the beginning of men's faith is God's gift, since the apostle signifies this when, in the epistle to the Colossians, he says, continue in prayer, and watch in the same and giving of thanks. With all praying also for us that God would open unto us the door of his word, to speak the mystery of Christ, for which also I am in bonds, that I may so make it manifest as I ought to speak. Colossians 4.2 and following, how is the door of his word opened, except when the sense of the hearer is opened so that he may believe, and, having made a beginning of faith, may admit those things, which are declared and reasoned, for the purpose of building up wholesome doctrine, lest, by a heart closed through unbelief, he reject and repel those things which are spoken. Whence, also, he says to the Corinthians but I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost. For a great and evident door is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. 1 Corinthians 16.8 What else can be understood here, save that, when the gospel had been first of all preached there by him, many had believed, and there had appeared many adversaries of the same faith, in accordance with the saying of the Lord, No one cometh unto me, unless it were given him of my father, John 6.66. And, to you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. Luke 8.10 Therefore, there is an open door in those to whom it is given, but there are many adversaries among those to whom it is not given. Chap. 41. 
further apostolic testimonies. And again, the same apostle says to the same people, in his second epistle when I had come to Tronus for the gospel of Christ, and a door had been opened unto me in the Lord, I had no rest in my spirit, because I found not Titus, my brother but, making my farewell to them, I went away into Macedonia. 2 Corinthians 2.12, 13. To whom did he bid farewell but to those who had believed, to wit, in whose hearts the door was open for his preaching of the gospel? But attend to what he adds, saying, Now thanks be unto God, who always causes us to triumph in Christ, and maketh manifest the savour of his knowledge by us in every place, because we are unto God a sweet savour of Christ in them who are saved, and in them who perish to some, indeed, we are the savour of death unto death, but to some the savour of life unto life. 2 Corinthians 2.14, and following see concerning what this most zealous soldier and invincible defender of grace gives thanks. See concerning what he gives thanks, that the apostles are a sweet savour of Christ unto God, both in those who are saved by his grace, and in those who perish by his judgment. But in order that, those who little understand these things may be less enraged, he himself gives a warning, when he adds the words and who is sufficient for these things. 2 Corinthians 2.16 But let us return to the opening of the door, by which the Apostle signified the beginning of faith in his hearers. For what is the meaning of, with all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of the word, Colossians 4.3. Unless it is a most manifest demonstration, that even the very beginning of faith is the gift of God? For it would not be sought for from him in prayer, unless it were believed to be given by him. This gift of heavenly grace had descended to that seller of purple Acts 16.14. For whom, as scripture says in the Acts of the Apostles, the Lord opened her heart, and she gave heed unto the things which were said by Paul, for she was so called that she might believe. Because God does what he will in the hearts of men, either by assistance or by judgment, so that, even through their means, may be fulfilled what his hand and counsel have predestinated to be done. Chap. 42. Old Testament Testimonies. Therefore also it is in vain that objectors have alleged, that what we have proved by scripture testimony from the books of Kings and Chronicles is not pertinent to the subject, of which we are discoursing twenty-one such, for instance, as that when God wills it to be done, which ought only to be done by the willing men, their hearts are inclined to will this, inclined, that is to say, by his power, who, in a marvelous and ineffable manner, worketh in us also to will. What else is this than to say nothing, and yet to contradict? Unless, perchance, they have given some reason to you for the view that they have taken, which reason you have preferred to say nothing about in your letters. But what that reason can be I do not know. Whether, possibly, since we have shown that God has so acted on the hearts of men, and has induced the wills of those whom he pleased to this point, that Saul or David should be established as king, do they not think that these instances are appropriate to the subject, because to reign in this world temporally is not the same thing, as to reign eternally with God? And so do they suppose that God inclines the wills of, those whom he pleases to the attainment of earthly kingdoms, but does not incline them to the attainment of a heavenly kingdom. But I think that it was in reference to the kingdom of heaven, and not to an earthly kingdom, that it was said, Incline my heart unto thy testimonies, Psalm 119.36. Or, 
The steps of a man are ordered by the Lord, and he will will his way, Psalm 37.23. Or, the will is prepared by the Lord, Proverbs. 8. C70. Or, let our Lord be with us as with our fathers, let him not forsake us, nor turn himself away from us, let him incline our hearts unto him, that we may walk in all his ways, 1 Kings 8.57.58. Or, I will give them a heart to know me, and ears that hear, Baruch 2.31. Or, I will give them another heart, and a new spirit will I give them. Ezekiel 11.19. Let them also hear this, I will give my spirit within you, and I will cause you to walk in my righteousnesses, and ye shall observe my judgments, and do them. Ezekiel 36.27. Let them hear, man's goings are directed by the Lord, and how can a man understand his ways? Proverbs 20.24. Let them hear, every man seemeth right to himself, but the Lord directeth the hearts. Proverbs 21.2. Let them hear, as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. Acts 13.48. Let them hear these passages, and whatever others of the kind I have not mentioned, in which God is declared to prepare and to convert men's wills, even for the kingdom of heaven and for eternal life. And consider what sort of a thing it is to believe that God worketh men's wills for the foundation of earthly kingdoms, but that men work their own wills for the attainment of the kingdom of heaven. Chap. 43, 21. Conclusion. I have said a great deal, and, perchance, I could long ago have persuaded you what I wished, and I am still speaking this to such intelligent minds, as if they were obtuse, to whom even what is too much is not enough. But let them pardon me, for a new question has compelled me to this. Because, although in my former little treatises I had proved by sufficiently appropriate proofs that faith also was the gift of God, there was found this ground of contradiction, namely, that those testimonies were good for this purpose, to show that the increase of faith was God's gift, but that the beginning of faith, whereby a man first of all believes in Christ, is of the man himself, and is not the gift of God, but that God requires this, so that when it has proceeded, other gifts may follow, as it were on the ground of this merit, and these are the gifts of God, and that none of them is given freely, although in them God's grace is declared, which is not grace except as being gratuitous. And you see how absurd all this is. Wherefore I determined, as far as I could, to set forth that this very beginning also is God's gift. And if I have done this at a greater length than perhaps those, on whose account I did it might wish, I am prepared to be reproached for it by them, so long as they nevertheless confess that, although at greater length than they wished, although with the disgust and weariness of those that understand, I have done what I have done that is, I have taught that even the beginning of faith, as continence, patience, righteousness, piety, and the rest, concerning which there is no dispute with them, is God's gift. Let this, therefore, be the end of this treatise, lest too great length in this one may give offense. Contents of the Treatise on the Predestination of the Saints 1. Introduction 2. To what extent the Massilians withdraw from the Pelagians 3. Even the beginning of faith is of God's gift 4. Continuation of the preceding 5. To believe is to think with assent 6. Presumption and arrogance to be avoided 7. Augustine confesses that he had formerly been in error concerning the grace of God 8. 
what Augustine wrote to Simplicianus, the successor of Ambrose, Bishop of Milan 9. The purpose of the Apostle in these words 10. It is God's grace which specially distinguishes one man from another 11. That some men are elected is of God's mercy 12. Why the Apostle said that we are justified by faith and not by works 13. The effect of divine grace 14. Why the Father does not teach all, that they may come to Christ 15. It is believers that are taught of God 16. Why the gift of faith is not given to all 17. His argument in his letter against Porphyry, as to, why the gospel came so late into the world 18. The preceding argument applied to the present time 19. In what respects predestination and grace differ 20. Did God promise the good works of the nations, and not their faith, to Abraham? 21. It is to be wondered at that men should rather trust to their own weakness, than to God's strength. 22. God's promise is sure. 23. Remarkable illustrations of grace and predestination in infants, and in Christ. 24. That no one is judged according to, what he would have done, if he had lived longer. 25. Possibly the baptized infants would have repented if they had lived, and the unbaptized not 26. Reference to Cyprian's treatise on the mortality 27. The Book of Wisdom obtains in the Church the authority of canonical scripture 28. Cyprian's treatise on the mortality 29. God's dealing does not depend upon any contingent merits of man 30. The most illustrious instance of predestination is Christ Jesus 31. Christ predestinated to be the Son of God 32. The twofold calling 33. It is in the power of evil men to sin, but to do this, or that by means of that wickedness is in God's power alone 34. The special calling of the elect is not because they have believed, but in order, that they may believe 35. Election is for the purpose of holiness 36. God choose the righteous, not those whom he foresaw as being of themselves, but those whom he predestinated for the purpose of making so 37. We were elected and predestinated, not because we were going to be holy, but in order, that we might be so 38. What is the view of the Pelagians, and what of the semi-Pelagians, concerning predestination 39? The beginning of faith is God's gift 40. Apostolic testimony to the beginning of faith being God's gift 41. Further apostolic testimonies 42. Old Testament testimonies 43. Conclusion This Reformation audio track is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. You are welcome to make copies and give them to those in need. SWRB makes thousands of classic Reformation resources available, free and for sale, in audio, video, and printed formats. It is likely that the sermon or book that you just listened to is also available on cassette or video, or as a printed book or booklet. Our many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, containing thousands of classic and contemporary Puritan and Reform books, tapes, and videos at great discounts, is on the web at www.swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com, by phone at 780-450-3730, by fax at 780-468-1096, or by mail 
at 4710-37A Avenue, Edmonton, that's E-D-M-O-N-T-O-N, Alberta, abbreviated capital A, capital B, Canada, T6L3T5. You may also request a free printed catalog. And remember that John Calvin, in defending the Reformation's regulative principle of worship, or what is sometimes called the scriptural law of worship, commenting on the words of God, which I commanded them not, neither came into my heart, from his commentary on Jeremiah 7.31, writes, God here cuts off from men every occasion for making evasions, since he condemns by this one phrase, I have not commanded them, whatever the Jews devised. There is then no other argument needed to condemn superstitions than that they are not commanded by God. For when men allow themselves to worship God according to their own fancies, and attend not to his commands, they pervert true religion. And if this principle was adopted by the Papists, all those fictitious modes of worship in which they absurdly exercise themselves would fall to the ground. It is indeed a horrible thing for the Papists to seek to discharge their duties towards God by performing their own superstitions. There is an immense number of them, as it is well known, and as it manifestly appears. Were they to admit this principle, that we cannot rightly worship God except by obeying his word, they would be delivered from their deep abyss of error. The prophet's words, then, are very important when he says that God had commanded no such thing and that it never came to his mind, as though he had said that men assume too much wisdom when they devise what he never required, nay, what he never knew.